Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. As a, as a church, we really exist to reach the unreached and to, to make disciples and build the family. Those are the, that, that's, that's really all that we do. So, um, you know, Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples. So we go into all the world and we, make, we, we, we reach them, evangelize, and we make disciples. And making disciples is about encouraging you and strengthening you in the Word so that you can live a fruitful life. Because we all want to live fruitful lives. So that's part of it. And then building the family is talking about relationships. Okay? And with those three pillars, really, like in place, then it, all, it means we're always going to be, uh, um, there's always room for more people, and there's always room for us to, to, to grow, and there's always, like, we'll never stop reaching, trying to reach new people. And so, for example, I, I think it was last Saturday, we had an outreach, and uh, um, uh, Sumi led it and went out uh, in the area to, to, to go just connect with people and share the gospel with them and that was great and at the different campuses we do that from time to time and uh, you might be thinking that's great but that's not for me because it's not my uh, 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 I'm, I'm more of introvert or whatever the case is um, you know I felt the same you know for a long time um, and uh, hopefully uh, uh, not by the end of this message but but as you get you grow in, in, in just just your, your, your relationship with the Lord you'll get to the place where you realize like there's so much more You'll get to the place where you realize like you can, uh, uh, you can do this and it's not something that you have to force. It's something that can, re- it's just an overflow. Because all of uh, our life is really just an overflow of our relationship with God. And so if the primary is in place, relationship with God, the secondary, what we do for Him will come into place. Okay? I love Matthew 3.11. It's talking about um, Jesus' baptism in water. And this is really a powerful truth which would, um, like we need to grab hold of as believers. Because so often, you know, we've got that song accepted. I've got a seat at the table. I know who I am, etc. But so often, we don't live like that. We're, try- we're living trying to get acceptance from other people and from God. So often, the reason why we're going to church is because we think it gives us more brownie points on the scale of blessing to be able to, you know, receive something when we need it. And if we don't, then it's going to result in less uh, brownie points, which means something bad might happen. And the reality is, is that something my bad might happen if you don't know truth, but it doesn't happen because God's punishing you, or because He allowed something bad to happen to you because you did something wrong. So it's important that we continue growing in truth so we can be set free from those lies. Okay? Um, so, we, we, the, 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 the series we're busy with is the truth about you, and I want you to, I'm trusting that this evening you'll get to see a bit more about who you are in terms of even just your purpose. Okay, so 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 to 4 from the Amplified Classic, it says, see if we've got each other. Getting there, getting there. For such praying is good and right. And it is pleasing and acceptable to God our Savior, who wishes all men to be saved 
and increasingly to perceive and recognize and discern and know precisely and correctly the divine truth. So this is, this is saying what God's will is. So often we, we're kind of looking at what God's will is and we can even contextualize it and say, what is God's will for my life? And what I'm trying to show you firstly is like God's primary will is everyone would receive Christ. Everyone would be saved. There's no one that he doesn't want saved. Okay, that dismisses a whole bunch of um, uh, uh, dodgy doctrine. Don't know what else to call it. Because there's a, a lot of dodgy doctrine which would say, hey, you, 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 God maybe doesn't want someone saved. The truth is God wants everyone saved. Okay? So, this says, He wishes all men to be saved. That's the first thing. God wants everybody saved. Then it says, And increasingly to perceive and recognize and discern and know precisely and correctly the divine truth. So that's talking about discipleship, really. The first one you could say is evangelism. He's wanting people to receive Christ. And then the second one is discipleship. He's wanting us to grow up to be able to know Him more and to be able to live fruitful lives. Because fruitfulness happens because of um, knowledge. Because you know something. Okay? Um, you know, it, it, my kids, they're seven and they're nine. They're not going to be very fruitful in driving a car. Because all they think is that you turn the key and you, you, you do this and you do something like this. But that's it. But the rest of it, they don't understand that. Why? Because they don't have the right knowledge. Okay? The right knowledge leads to fruitfulness. And so often, we, we, it's, it's amazing. Christians, uh, uh, we, we tend to think we know everything all the time. And yet there's always something we don't know. Why? How do we know that? Because we're not perfect. And our lives aren't perfect. But it's amazing. We'll see something imperfect in our lives... And we automatically blame God and think, God, why is it like this? What did I do wrong? Or why are you doing this to me? And sometimes it's simply just because you don't know something. You know, why, um, why did someone uh, uh, get sick? Why did I get sick? Well, we live in a world that there, where there's sickness, number one. It's not, necessary, it's not God putting sickness on us. But, but we automatically think maybe it is. He's in control of everything when He's not. It's a knowledge problem that's causing a lack of fruitfulness in our lives. Okay? So, this is from this verse we can see God wants everyone saved and He wants us all to be established in truth. Okay? You know, if you look at us, uh, we're not going to look at it right now, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it starts off in verse 17 by saying, If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. And then it starts to talk about this new creation. You've got, as a new creation, you've got a ministry of reconciliation. So it's like, it's not, it's not talking, this, this letter of, was written to a church. It wasn't written to a bunch of pastors. And he's saying, you know, as believers, you're now new creations in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. You're completely new. And because you're completely new, you've also got... A ministry. So it's like, uh, you kind of want to know what your purpose is. Well, because you were born again, you now have a ministry. And every single one of us fulfills that ministry in some way or another. And if you're not ready for that ministry, then welcome to church. Because Ephesians 4 shows us that he gave leaders in the church to equip us for our ministry. Which is life. 
it doesn't mean ministry from the pulpit. It just means ministry in everyday life. Okay? So, then it says, you know, you've got a ministry. And then it says you've got, you're an ambassador of Christ. We'll look at some of those verses in a bit. But then it says you're an ambassador of Christ, a representative of Christ. So the moment you receive Jesus, the moment that you become one with Him, and you're a Christian, you're automatically an ambassador. Okay? You're automatically an ambassador. Now you need to grow in uh, 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 your relationship with the Lord so you can represent Him properly. You've got to, like, I mean, anybody who's ever worked for anybody... Okay, you, 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 you take a job at um, McDonald's, let's say. Yeah. Uh, let's choose a convenience store or something, rather. So you, you take a job at, at, uh, at Edgar's or Woolworths or something like that. You've never shopped there. You just got this job and you, you rock up there. You've got your, your, your uniform, you've got your badge. And now, day one, they didn't train you, but day one you're there. Someone comes in and says, can I please, do you have any X, Y, and Z? And you're like, I don't know. Why don't you know? Because you lack the knowledge of what you have and what you don't have in the store. Okay? And then, and then someone's like, uh, where can I pay? I think it's around the corner there. Maybe because you don't know where everything is in the store. Do you have a men's department? Yeah, I'm sure we do. <laughs> can you take me there? Probably not. Why? Because you don't know where it is. Now, obviously, they would train you better. And you would, you, but that's the point. They would train you better. When we become Christians, we're often not trained better. And so, as a result, we misrepresent God from the get-go. And He's not upset with us. He didn't fall off His throne because you, you, you misrepresented Him. But the point is, is, it does affect us. It affects our witness. It affects the world. Because like for, for a lot of Christians... They never get trained properly. They never get discipled. A lot of Christians, they never, they just stay converts. And Jesus never said, go into all the world and make converts. Matthew 28, he says, go into all the world and make disciples. People who are established in truth and are living fruitful lives. And that doesn't happen the moment you become a Christian. It happens because as a Christian now, you've allowed yourself to get trained. You've allowed yourself to get equipped. And now that's your ministry, fruitfulness. And people are going, I, I, want some, I want what you've got. And you're able to help them get what you've got. That's ministry. That's the ministry we're talking about. Okay. Um, and so, you know, you have some Christians who for 10, 20, 30, 40 plus years, never get trained, never get equipped, nothing. But they, 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 they've sat in church for decades. They've heard a lot of Christianese. They've heard a lot of churchianity. And what happens as a result? They can parrot it. And because they can parrot it, then people think, oh, this person is super spiritual. And then what happens? They get put into a leadership position. And then what happens? The pauper hits a fan because they don't have the foundation to be able to sustain the, the office. Then what happens? People look at that and go, well, if a Christian like that is going to fall and they can't live the Christian life, then what hope is there for me? Or look at these Christians, they're all hypocrites. And so then we misrepresent, uh, like the world looks at us and they think these guys are a bunch of phonies. When in actual fact, it's just a bunch of people who are babies at the steering wheel of a car, trying to put water in the petrol tank. True story. 
So, John chapter 8, verse 32. Jesus says, you'll know the truth and the truth shall set you free. We've got a lot of Christians who are not walking in freedom. Obviously, present company excluded. We've got a lot of Christians who are not walking in freedom. What is freedom? Nothing has a hold on us. Nothing has a hold on us. I get to drink as much as I want, but I don't, don't get, I don't choose not to drink. I choose not to get drunk there. You know, I can, I can commit as much murder as I want. That's freedom. But I choose not to because I've matured. I can hit as many people as I want when they irritate me. But I choose not to. Why? Because I've got the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. My desires have changed. Amen? But how does that happen? You come to know the truth. Our growing in the knowledge of truth is what causes us to walk and live in freedom. And when we start to walk and live in freedom, then we start to live fruitful lives where people look at us and go, that's a Christian, that's what I want. Okay? So freedom cannot come without coming to know the truth. That's why teaching is so important. Okay? I remember, I mean, this, this, this works in every area of, of, of life, really. Like, you need to be taught and you need to understanding in order to be fruitful. So we had this, uh, when I was in, in first year Bible school, in our house we had, I don't know, six guys who were all in different years and in, the, in, 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 in Bible college, and we had this discussion, they were like, some of them were uh, kind of like laughing at the fact that there was a class on worship. They were like, that is like the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And we were discussing it, and I agree with it. You can't teach people how to worship. You know, what are you going to teach them? Bring the goat, and then, that's Old Testament, but now it's like, what are you going to teach them in the New Testament? Because worship flows from the heart. Worship is the response of our hearts because we've seen something. We've seen grace. Romans chapter 12 says, In view of God's mercies, offer yourself a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. So this is worship. I'm giving myself to Jesus. And in singing, we're just kind of expressing that. Here I am, Lord. You know, we're expressing that. It's, it's an expression of what's going on inside. Okay, but a lot of people express it better than others. And a lot of people are faking it. And a lot of people that look like they're maybe not expressing it are actually living it. And a lot of people who look like they're, they're, they're living it aren't living it. Because it's about what's going on in the heart. So how do we improve our level of life worship? How do I improve my worship of God? Like, what, the, what worship that's going to bless Him? It's not go for singing lessons with Anna. Although you can. And it'll bless everybody else. <laughs> it's not get better on the guitar or an instrument. Although that'll bless us. And it'll help us all to sing nicely together. But that's not worship. We're talking about life. What helps you give your life, like God doesn't want you to give your life to Him. Let me just clear this up before I get there. Salvation isn't giving your life to Jesus. Salvation is receiving His life. Okay? He gave His life for us, and so salvation is receiving His life, the Spirit of God, to come and dwell in us. 
And now that I have the Spirit of God dwelling in me, as an act of worship, I get to give my life to Him. But a lot of Christians would say, I've given my life to Jesus, but they most certainly haven't. They've received the life of Christ. They're going to heaven. They, 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 they've, got the, they've got a relationship with Jesus, but that's it. Christianity 2.0, the next step is I give my life to Him. Where now I'm like, here, here I am, Lord. What do you want with me? And living in that place is where you'll experience the most satisfaction you could ever imagine. Okay? I jumped ahead of it there, but it's important for us to see this. How do we get to that place? Because you can make it extremely legalistic. <laughs> I was in a church once. I went through it when I first moved to Cape Town from Durban. For the first couple of months, I was looking for a church. I was living in Durbanville and I went everywhere from here in Rondebosch all the way up to Stellenbosch and everything in between. And I, every Sunday it was a different church. And in the week I would be going to life groups and trying to see where do I fit in here. Okay? And I just couldn't find a place. But the one church I went to was particularly interesting. <laughs> I've never felt as nauseous as I did in a church service. We had this uh, guy bouncing around on stage very enthusiastic, very kind of like passionate, and I give him credit for that. But all he was doing was trying to get everybody to commit to waking up at five in the morning and to spending an hour with the Lord. Which is a good thing to do, it's nice. I, I enjoy spending time with the Lord. But you don't have, it's not a holy hour between five and six. The holy hour is four to five, actually. <laughs> No. Yeah, like it, it doesn't matter when you spend time with the Lord. It just matter, what matters is that you spend time with Him. So now he's like seeing all these, 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 there was about 200, 300 people in the room. And he's like trying to get them. He's like getting them passionate. If you want to like see God move in your life, whatever, like stand up and let's commit ourselves. And as soon as everyone stood up to commit themselves, that's when I, I, I went out. I found my car and I, I left. And I uh, couldn't remember who I went with, but I didn't leave with them. <laughs> the point is, it's like you're trying to accomplish something which is good. We all agree it's good to maybe spend that time with the Lord, right? Okay, it's good to spend more time with the Lord and to receive from Him and enjoy His presence, etc., etc. But here's the problem. If you don't have the right motivation, it just becomes legalistic. Why are you wanting to spend more time with the Lord? Because you want more blessing? Because you want Him to favor you more? Because you think He's going to make your, the rest of your day even better? Or is it because you love Him so much that you, you, would, you would sacrifice waking up earlier to spend more time with Him because you just can't not spend time with Him? Think about it in terms of relationship. You know, so often we, we, we kind of <clears throat> you get into romantic relationship and it's like you, you just can't not spend time together. And so all of a sudden, everyone else is out the window. And you forgot that you had any friends, amen? <laughs> and, and now all of a sudden, you're just, you're just wanting to kind of connect with this one person. And it's fine, it's good, it's not bad. Except that you kind of just, just, just a whole bunch of people that love you. But now here's the thing. It's like because of love, because you were captivated by someone, you couldn't but spend time with them. It should be the same with God. So, back to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. In view of God's mercies, 
offer yourself a living sacrifice unto God. So, if we're wanting to offer ourselves as a sacrifice unto God, not killing ourselves, a living sacrifice, amen? But if we want to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, it needs to be in view of His mercies. In view of His mercies. So if you're at the place where you don't want to live for God, if you're at the place where you don't, you, you, you just, you couldn't be bothered about living for God because you're going to church, you're paying your tithes, you're doing what you need to do. You don't want to give more than that because I've got things to do. Then I would encourage you to get to that place of just thinking about what He's done for you. In view of His mercies. Mercies would be, uh, grace is getting better than you deserve. Grace is getting better than you deserve. Mercy would be not getting what you do deserve. So if we just sit and think about how we're saved from eternal destruction, that should motivate us and cause such a love in our hearts to well up that we're like, wow, thank you, Lord. I mean, think about how salvation has impacted you if it has. You know, some, some of us maybe are just, we've grown up cultural Christians and we love Jesus, but we haven't felt the impact of salvation because we grew up in it. But if you think about the impact of salvation on someone, it changes absolutely everything. And that change should cause us to respond. Think, I, I, I mean, I, I remember receiving Christ when I was about five or six years old. Okay, but I remember having an encounter with grace at the age of, I don't know what, was, what it was, 20 or so. And I remember the, the extreme impact that that had on my life. All of a sudden, growing in my understanding of the goodness of God. I knew He was good. God is good all the time. All the time God is... I knew that, but I didn't experience that or see it that He's not holding my sin against me. That as far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed my sin from me. That He's not holding uh, me under an obligation to try and be perfect. But He's made me righteous. And when I, I saw that, it made me worship Him more with my life. Then I was, I was always wanting to be in ministry because I thought God will like me more. He'll bless me more. He'll, you know, something good will happen in my life if I serve God. But as soon as I caught a glimpse of grace, I was like, wow, everything's yours. I, 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 why would I want to do anything else? Here you go. You know, as, as soon as we caught a glimpse of grace, we couldn't keep grace to ourselves. We had to share it with other people. The gospel, the message of God's unconditional love and His grace and what Jesus has done for us, we couldn't not share it with people. That's why Grace Life started. Because people couldn't shut us up, and so people gathered around the message. Because here's the thing, a church is a gospel community. A gospel community starts with the gospel message. You preach the gospel message, people gather, some people don't, but the gospel message, people gather, and then what happens? That's church. Now the gospel community is on a gospel mission. Not to be a nice community, although that's part of it, but it's to, to be an effective and fruitful community, which is getting more people into the family. That's why we exist. That's why we do what we do. So your primary purpose, first one, John chapter 1, verse 12 to 13. 
New Living Translation, but to all who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion uh, or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So this is showing us that if you believe, if you accept, then you become. Then you become a child of God. Your primary purpose is to be a child of God. I've got a seat at the table, I know who I am. That, that's exactly the song, we'll sing it just now, don't worry. <laughs> because it's echoing our deepest core of who we are and what, we, what we're about. Our relationship with Jesus. Yeah, there's people in your life that you probably never spend time with. Why? Because you maybe don't want to. <laughs> now, if you think about it in terms of relationship with God, there's some, like, like some of us don't spend time with God, not because we don't love God, we're thankful, but it's just we don't know Him well enough that it really just like, I really want to spend time with God. I really want to know what He's, what he's saying in the Word. I really want to just spend some time praying and just hear, uh, enjoy that fellowship with Him. But this is our primary relationship with Him. You know, uh, this is why Jesus came, so that we could be connected to Him. And we could live with Him. You know, like, um, salvation is, is eternal life. You know, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life is His Spirit living in you for eternity. That's a relationship. This is life eternal, that they may know you. It's a relationship forever. You know, that, that, as a Christian, one day, it's not, it should not be a shock one day when you meet Jesus face to face. Why shouldn't it be a shock? Because you know Him. We should be able to identify Him easily in a crowd. Why? Because He's become our best friend. You know, he, he, he's the one we want to hang out with the most. It's intimate relationship. And here's the thing. A lot of Christians don't live like Christians because this is not in place. They're trying to do all the right things. Trying to do all the right things in terms of not sinning. Trying to do all the right things in, in a sense of worship well. Trying to do all the right things in a sense of going to church and serving and, and uh, even sharing their faith and going on missions and things like that. We're trying to do all the right things, but it's a strive and it's a strain and it's a difficult thing that we need accountability partners to help us keep on track with. Why? Because we don't really want to do it. Because we need someone to stand with us and, and kind of edge us on because it's not flowing from someplace. The, the reality is, is you do what you want to do. Amen? <laughs> you do, we all do what we want to do. Some, the things that we have to do, we, 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 we mostly get to them as well, especially if you pay for it. <laughs> work. But it's like you, you do the things that you want to do. The time that you have, you, you fill it with the time, the things that you really want to do. Otherwise, you make a plan to do it. But here's the thing. 
It's like the Christian life shouldn't be lived as I have to do these things. The Christian life should, uh, uh, is, a, is about I get to do these things, but the Christian life should be a, I want to do these things. So for example, when, we, when, when uh, uh, I don't know, when, when you have the opportunity, you find someone who doesn't know the gospel and you, you have an opportunity to share the gospel with them, it shouldn't be a, like a, <sighs> I better share the gospel with this person. <laughs> it should be like a, what a privilege I get to share the gospel. I want to share the gospel with this person. You know, it should be something that flows. Because now, you know, you plant a seed and it produces a tree. Fruit is a result of being. Okay, Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. Do you know what fruit is? It's a natural byproduct of being. So if you are a healthy Christian, what should naturally be coming out of you is love, joy, peace, patience, without you having to force it. I've had people, like uh, I'm thinking of a, a person in particular right now. They've lost their temper uh, uh, once in, in front of me and once with another leader and and then once in another situation, but it's like they just let loose. <laughs> Throwing things and all sorts of things like that. And so we've put some restrictions on them and said, you can't do that in community. We have to protect people, so you're not allowed to do that. Again, if you do that again, we're going to tell you you're not welcome. Because we have to protect the people in church. Okay? But I can't help it. It's just my, how I felt. Is that true? 100% not. You have control over your emotions. It's difficult for some of us maybe not to get angry and just pop. Okay? But here's the thing. It's like the more you grow in your relationship with Jesus, the easier it is not to give into anger. The easier it is not to want to knock people up the right way. The easier it is to say no to sin and the devil. Because... I mean, uh, uh, if you go look at um, Galatians chapter 5, before the fruit of the Spirit, it talks about the works of the flesh. What are the works of the flesh? It says temper tantrums in one of the, um, the, the translations. A temper tantrum is a work of the flesh. Think about the work of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. What would you rather have, work or fruit? Work is something that you have to put effort into. Fruit is something which comes naturally because you exist. Okay? You just need the right conditions. You need the right nourishment. You need those things, but it's not something you have to work at. Okay? So out of the overflow of our relationship with Jesus, like I said earlier, we should be reaching the unreached, making disciples, and building the family. It shouldn't be something that we're striving for. It should be something that's easily just channeled because there's an overflow. Amen? But we've got to know the gospel. It's got to impact us if we want to live these lives of worship uh, uh, to Jesus. Look at Acts chapter 13, 37 to 39. I like this verse. It's, it's summing up the gospel. It says, But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He, he rose up. Okay? Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. So this is, this is the good news that we get to share with people. 
There's forgiveness of sins. And by Him, by Jesus, all that believed are, believe are justified, made right with God from all things, from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses or by your effort. So the law of Moses was a standard that you could never attain to. The law was something that you could never live perfectly. But hey, if you believe in Jesus, you're justified. What is justified? Made just as if you've never sinned. You know, every single one of us has sinned in something. And some more than others. Hey, Lucas. <laughs> so some of us are worse sinners than others. Okay? The worst ones didn't come tonight. <laughs> You know, so, so the, the, you know, but, but like the saying says, he wants to be the best sinner that ever went to hell. Just a joke. But the point is, is that it says there that the, 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 when we believe, we are justified. When we believe, we are justified. Amen. We are made right with God. On the flip side, if you don't believe, you're condemned. But if you do believe, you're justified. It's not about actions or performance. It's about belief. What do you believe in your heart? And the, the more clearer we see Jesus and what he's done for us through discipleship, the more fruitfulness and overflow we're going to have. Okay? See, this gospel, when you receive it, it transforms you. The gospel is transformational. Most people see it. <laughs> I recorded... Um, a message called, I think, Real Joy, this past week for um, Kenyan TV, because I got a, a show on, Ken, on TV in Kenya. And um, it, I enjoyed recording that one, you know. Um, I, can share, I'll, I can share the link with you for it if you want, but it was fun. But I laughed at the way that they explained it on the, the description. Because they, they started off by saying, religion, Christianity is a religion of joy. And I was like... <laughs> I would have never explained it like that. And I probably didn't say it like that. I would always say it's not a religion. <laughs> it's a relationship. It's life. You know, but it should be full of joy. That's the key. So at least they, they got that right. But the point is, is that it's, it's about joy. Okay? We should be the most joyful people on the face of the earth. But joy comes when we know the truth. What did the angel say? Luke chapter 2 verse 10. Behold, I bring you glad tidings of great joy, which is for all people. Can you picture the angel? The, sh uh, the shepherds are all uh, watching their flocks by night. You know the song, right? They're in the dark, they're in the fields. And you've got the angel coming and saying, Behold, I bring you glad tidings of great joy, which are for all people. Can you picture the, the angel being very cordial and like solemn and like this is a very holy moment. Like there must have been some enthusiasm with that. So if the angel probably was more enthusiastic like that, then when we get hit with the good news, it should do something to us as well. It should make us feel alive. It should transform us. Okay. You know, uh, 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 yeah, it should transform us in many different ways. Sadly, I think a lot of us hear the message of the gospel. You know, the, the reason why it's maybe not transforming us, it could either be that we're not hearing the right message or that we're not really hearing. Because it might be the right message, but it's not transforming because we're not hearing properly. We're not receiving properly. We're not paying attention. 
We're focused on many different things, but not on the, what is actually uh, the, the, the truth being presented here. So it's not always the messenger, it's maybe the receiver that's at fault. Okay, but I, I, as I was thinking about this, I, I realized like, if you're listening to the wrong message, it will produce the wrong fruit. And yet, like a lot of people, Christians, are, are bouncing from, from, from uh, 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 teacher to teacher, only wanting to receive what they want to receive. It's like, uh, I listen to this person's teachings because I really, I agree with them. <laughs> Stick around, you won't agree with me eventually. <laughs> because the thing is, is we should be challenged to grow. We, we, we don't have to agree with everyone, and you can't agree with everyone. So as soon as someone comes up with something that, that, that you disagree with, do you receive the challenge and investigate, or do you bolt? Because that reveals your immaturity if you bolt. Okay, but the real gospel, like, there's a real gospel and there's a pseudo-gospel. Fake one. There's many fake gospels. In Galatians, Paul speaks about it. What's one of the fake gospels? It's Jesus plus your effort. Yes, you believe in Jesus, but you still need to. X, Y, and Z if you want to be saved. What's another pseudo-gospel? Yeah, works, all this type of thing. Finances, all the, the wrong focus in many different areas. Okay? The real gospel will produce change. It'll produce transformation in your life. A pseudo-gospel will have the appearance of change. And it'll be something that you have to uphold. Something that you have to keep going. You know, another thing that the, 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 the true gospel will produce in your life is love. Because you become love. And obviously that happens as we focus and we behold Christ and as we grow in our relationship with Him and we allow Him to transform us, then we grow into that image. We start to express it. So it's not always instant, but the true message will reproduce good fruit. Okay, but you know what? A pseudo-gospel will produce a self-centeredness. Yeah, it'll produce self-centeredness and there's many varying forms of that. You can also become a grace Pharisee. Another uh, thing that the, the, the true gospel will produce is eternal thinking. Where you're, now, you're no longer living for today and tomorrow or retirement, but you're living for something longer because you realize like, wow, eternity is forever. And so the true gospel should, you know, the, the, uh, there's a lot of false gospel that would focus just on, like finances is just for today. You can use your finances to impact tomorrow and eternity, but, but finances is something carnal, it's not spiritual. Okay? And yet um, a lot of people in their teaching will just focus in on that and it's like temporal. Whereas the true gospel will get you eternal focus. You'll take your money and you'll invest it into the kingdom to, to help reach more people. The, the true gospel will cause you to live a life of mission. It will cause you to be like, wow, in view of God's mercies, I have to offer myself as a living sacrifice. In view of God's mercies, I want to do something for Him. And then there's, a, there's something propelled that, that starts to bubble up in your life. Whereas a pseudo-gospel, a fake gospel, will cause you to be so self-focused and live for self-gratification and to live for your own benefit. Here's an example, in case you couldn't think of one. <laughs> the, the true gospel will cause you to give to be a blessing. A pseudo-gospel will cause you to give to be blessed. 
The, 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 the true gospel will, call, will make you want to give because you want to be a blessing. The pseudo gospel, a fake gospel, will cause you to give because I want to be blessed. The one is focused on me and the other one is focused on, on the other person or the kingdom or whatever. This, the, the, the true gospel will, will, will raise up partakers. People who are partaking in the kingdom, in the family business. Whereas the pseudo-gospel will cause us to be consumers. We're, we're, we're church shopping. <laughs> we're not just, uh, you know, if, if the worship's not right, or this isn't right, then it's like, well, maybe um, I need to find uh, another one where the lights are brighter or darker or whatever the case is. You know, we, 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 um, there's, there's more to live for. And the gospel will produce something in us that uh, will flow out of us. Remember, it all starts in that relationship with God. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 to 30. When we were having our morning coffee this morning, um, Martin read this verse to me and I said, please send that to me. It fits in nicely with uh, today. So I credit her for this <laughs> from the New Living Translation. For God knew His people in advance. He chose them to become like His Son, Jesus, so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So let's just look at that quickly. God knew His people in advance. It's not saying He chose some and He didn't choose others. He's chosen everyone to be His child. We are the ones who choose if we're not going to be His child or not. Okay, verse 30. And having chosen them, He called them to come to Him. And having called them, he gave them right standing or righteousness with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. I love that. I'm going to break that down. Having chosen them, he called them. God has chosen you. He's chosen every single one of us. Okay? In the whole world. <laughs> There's no one that he didn't choose. He even chose Judas, but not to be a betrayer. He chose Judas to be good, but Judas chose to be bad. Okay? He didn't choose Judas to be bad. He chose Judas to be good, and Judas chose to be bad. But he chose every single one of us, and then he called us to him. He called us to relationship with him. He called us to himself because he wants to have a relationship of intimacy with us. He called us to Himself because from that place of relationship with Him, life can flow and we can live a life of significance and purpose and fruitfulness. And having called them, He gave them right standing with Himself. So in between here is our responding to Him. We believe and then we're made right with Him. So in order to have this, He called us to Himself and now when we come to Him, we get this right standing. Which means he sees us as right. Every time you pray or talk to God, do you see yourself as right before him or not? Because that's an issue of faith or unbelief. And that's why maybe your prayers aren't that, that great. <laughs> that's why maybe your, your life isn't going as good as it should be. Because you keep thinking God's looking at you and thinking you're not right when he's made you right because you believed in Jesus. So often we, we, we kind of, we, we're trusting God for something, for a job, or you're trusting God for healing, or you're trusting God for some other miracle or something. Okay? God, speak to me about my direction, or, or whatever the case is. And it's like, okay, 
Thank you, Father, that, you know, this and that, that you're going to give me this job, that you're going to provide this healing, please, in the name of Jesus. Whatever you're praying, however you're praying, and then you start to think about everything, all the reasons why you deserve it. God, I've, 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 I've given. I've been giving faithfully for however many years, and, you know, I haven't lived a life like Lucas. I'm, I'm holier than Lucas, you know. I've done my best. I've, I've, done, I've worked hard. I'm just picking on Lucas for, for a change. And it's like, you know, like, God, I'm, I've, I've been, been serving at church, and God, I've been doing this, and I've been reading my Bible. I deserve this, this healing. I deserve this, whatever. And it's like, we, we kind of try and justify our reason for, for, for getting a prayer answered. Whereas, we come to God, and He makes us right. And you stay right. And so when we pray, we should have boldness that I am right with God. I don't have to try and qualify myself. We don't have to go, God, I know I made a mistake, but thank you for your blood, and thank you this. And we're just like, thank you, Father, I come in, I'm, I'm, I'm your child, you accept me. I'm right with you. Okay, and then it says, having given them right standing, He gave them His glory. He gave them His glory. Part of that's talking about the Holy Spirit. He gave them, we can have Him, His Spirit, Him living in us because... We are right with Him. You are filled with His glory. We are filled with His glory. Okay? We are filled with His glory. And because we are filled with His glory, the Holy Spirit, we can go into every sphere of life and release His glory into those areas. What does that look like? It looks like love manifesting in the marketplace. People being encouraged. And you know what? It's one thing to see someone down and you encourage them and they lift it up and then they die and not knowing Jesus. And it's another thing to encourage someone and then minister the gospel to them so they can receive eternity. Those are two different things. We don't just encourage for the here and now, we encourage for eternity. But taking His glory into every sphere of life would mean that we're living a life of mission. Because the glory in you has a purpose and it's not to sit on your blessed assurance on a Sunday. Talking about your bottom. <laughs> okay? It's not to just sit on your blessed assurance and receive, receive, receive. The purpose of the glory in you is to be glorious. The purpose of the glory in you is to be glorious in all the world. And to shine. Like, I mean, imagine. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. Imagine we just stay in here. And we keep it for here because faith is a private matter. That's rubbish. Let your light shine out there. Add flavor to the tasteless world out there. We should be the most creative people in the world. Not just so that we can make money and be good, but so that we can bring glory to Him. So, and what's bringing glory to Him? As people look at us, they want what we've got, we can minister the gospel to them, they get saved. That's bringing God glory. Glory isn't just people accrediting it to you and they go, oh wow, he's a Christian. I don't think God's bothered with that. God's more bothered with people coming to know Him because you're, you're, you're attracting attention. Okay? So there's a purpose for your relationship with God and it's not just for you. Let's see what else I want to pull out here quickly. Go through 2 Corinthians 5 quickly here. 
2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So that's you. You're a new creature. You're a new creature. When you receive Christ, you become a new person. New person, new purpose, new direction. Okay? Verse 20 from the Passion. We are ambassadors of the Anointed One, Christ, who carry the message of Christ to the world. As though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God and be reconciled to Him. As I was meditating on this verse, I was really impacted. Now I want you to, we're going to read this verse again and I want you to think about it as we read it. What would happen in your life if you believed this verse? What would happen in your life if you believed this verse? Okay, because it's, he's not speaking to the apostles and to the pastors and to the super dupers. He's speaking to the saints. He's speaking to the church at Corinth. You know the church at Corinth is an interesting church. <laughs> it's a messed up church. Corinth, was a, was a, there was immorality, or there was incest. Uh, he's writing to address some of these things. There's all sorts of crazy going on there in, in the church of Corinth. And you know what he's writing? Some of the things he writes about to the church of Corinth is like how to steward spiritual gifts. Because even though they were messed up and they were living in sin, they were still experiencing the power of God. Which shows you that it's not about your holiness. What do you believe is the issue? God isn't looking for a perfect person to work through. He's looking for someone who surrendered. Okay, like the saying says, not a silver vessel, a surrendered vessel. So let's read it. We are ambassadors or representatives of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ. You're an ambassador who's carrying the message of Christ to the world. As though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God and be reconciled with Him. That's, that verse alone is enough to give you enough purpose for the rest of your life. If you're feeling purposeless. Because this, this is for all of us. I mean, ambassadors, representatives, carrying a specific message to the world. You've got your direction. It's towards the world. And it's as if God was pleading, tenderly pleading with the world through our lips. Now let's go back to the picture of um, a, a, a baby trying to drive a car. Now we all got to grow up in these things and learn how to do things properly. Okay? We don't all know the, the, the gospel perfectly to be able to share it with people. We don't all know uh, uh, how things operate or whatever the case is. So we grow in that. That's what church is for. Is that we would be equipped to be able to be the best ambassadors of Christ that we can be. The purpose of us gathering here on a, on a Wednesday for life group is so that we would bless each other, minister to each other. The same thing in church. Refresh each other for a purpose. So that we would be equipped, strengthened to be able to be better ambassadors. To carry the message of Christ better. You can't carry the message if you don't know it. 
So we, and, 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 and then it's also that, that, that we're uh, 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 realizing that God is speaking through us. We're co-laboring, working together with Him to be able to accomplish something. And so it all starts with becoming a new creation, accepting that relationship with Him, and then flowing in that relationship with Him. And we flow into that relationship through being His child, obviously, then flowing into reaching our reach, making disciples, and building community, building the family. So a good question to ask, in conclusion here, is what are you living for? Because God doesn't mind you doing whatever profession that you've chosen to do. He's given you gifts, He's given you talents, He's given you interests, he's, he, he gives you opportunities, 100%. He would be calling you into a specific vocation, a specific area, a specific uh, industry, for a specific purpose. But there's a, a bigger purpose on your life than that. Okay, if we believe that God calls us to a specific job, I'm going to step on toes now. If you believe that God calls you to a specific job for the job's sake, okay, you know what I mean. If, if, if He's calling you to the medical profession for the medical profession's purpose, what are we saying about people who collect rubbish on a Friday morning or whatever morning they come to collect your rubbish? Why did God call them to collect rubbish and not you? Does He love you more than them? We, we, we need car guards in South Africa. We, we need someone to look after our cars, otherwise we would be walking home or Ubering. Because you parked your car and it disappeared. You know? But here's the thing. Did God call that specific person to come all the way from whatever Northern African country Medical doctors sometimes, engineers, did he call them to come out of their nation and come to South Africa to watch your car so it doesn't get stolen? I would say no. So the purpose on your life has to be bigger than your vocation, what you do, what you're educated in. And I would put it to you that yes, you've got talents and you've got abilities and you can, do the, you can use those in different fields and stuff, God isn't really that interested in what you do as much as He's interested in how you do it. He's more interested in, are you a shining light for me in doing that or not? Now sometimes, I clean carpets. Be not because I love it, but because it enables me to be in ministry. Now Etienne roasts coffee now. Because he loves coffee. <laughs> but because it enables him to do, be in ministry. You know, uh, uh, Peter in Stellenbosch, he's a consultant at Curo and whatever else. And he's, 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 he's three or four days a week, he's, he's doing that. Why? Not because he loves it. He's an engineer and he's trained in it. But it's because it enables him to be in ministry. And in those places, he's also witnessing to people and reached out. And, you know, when someone died in the office, he was able to, to, to I think he said, able to say something at the funeral. And, you know, like, you get opportunities like that. The point is, is that we're shining lights wherever we are. So, how are, like, uh, uh, what are we living for is the bigger question. Because either your profession is for you, or it's for the kingdom. Okay? 1 Corinthians. One of the last verses, if not the last verse on that list. 
1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 to 20. The Passion Translation. Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the Spirit of Holiness who lives in you? You don't belong to yourself any longer, for the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside your sanctuary. You were God's expensive purchase, paid for with tears of blood. So by all means then, use your body to bring glory to God. This is you know, the only thing that you can really give God. You can give your money to the church and we can use it to reach people. Okay? But the only thing that you can give to God is actually you. The only thing that you can give to God is actually you. So the question would be then, how can you bring more glory to God? It's by offering more of you. How can you offer more of you? It's not about coming to church early, although we like that. It's not about coming to church to serve and put out the chairs, although we like that. It's not about giving more, although we really like that. You know, it's not about that. It's about your heart and receiving more of His love so that you can flow in more of His love. Okay? And it's about being equipped, allowing ourselves to be equipped so that our hearts will change. Now we've got tools to be able to fulfill our purpose. I mean, you know, we, we had um, <coughs> School of the Believer run last year, I think it was. Yes, last year. <coughs> and um, we're going to be running it again soon. So you can put up the, 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 the slide there. The School of the Believer, for example, is, is, it's, it's seven weeks and it trains you to, to live a life of a believer. Okay, and what this does, like the, the, the testimonies that have come from this are amazing. Okay, we, we'll, we'll send it out on WhatsApp as well so that you can actually read that. But, uh, <laughs> but the point is, is like a, it, it, the fruit from this last year was amazing. Okay, some of the fruit was people start reaching out into their marketplace. They started life groups. They, the people have gotten saved. All sorts of things have been happening. People, like uh, we had about... I think it was 60 or 80 people going through the course from all the different campuses. And the, the fruit of it was people living on purpose. People living on purpose. Not just living, but living life on purpose for a greater purpose. And that's how all believers should be living. You know, we as leaders, we, we, we met and we were talking and praying about how can we reach more people in Rondebosch and Cape Town. Why? Not because we want a full hall, although that's nice, but because we want to see more people coming into the kingdom. So how do we reach more people? I'll put it to you. Marketing is good because it's awareness, but marketing is not the answer. You can have the front page of the Cape Argus and nobody comes. Or if they do, they don't stay. You are God's billboard. There's a verse like that in the Passion Bible. You are God's billboard. Your life is what, what, what will draw people. We are God's answer to, to reaching more people. This course will help equip you for that. It's free. It's on Saturday mornings when most people are doing nothing. And it's, a, 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 it's a, a online, so you can stay in your pajamas. I won't be in mine. I'll be in mine from the, the, the waist down, my pajamas. But the point is, is that, that it's, it's one way to just get equipped. We've, we've condensed it. It's seven weeks now. And then this will enable you to, to go on missions with us as well, which a short-term mission will change your life forever. It'll impact you. doesn't mean you're going to be a full-time missionary, 
but it means that you will start to live more on mission. And so we have missions opportunities coming up. The missions opportunities, to be able to take them, you need to do the school. Okay? And uh, uh, the, the, there's two mission opportunities I want to tell you about, which I want to encourage you, if you can, take time off from work, or if you're free, come and join us. The first one is from the 19th, round about here, to the 25th of June. We have to confirm that. It's in the first week of the school holidays, and it's in Solari's Pass, where we have a church. We'll be staying there. It's safe. You'll be fine. It's great. And we're going to do a holiday club. <clears throat> Because there's a lot of work to be done in Solari's Pass. And we want to help change Solari's Pass because too many bad things are happening there. Okay? And so we want to, we're, going, we're trying to arrange to get the, the primary school for the whole week. And we're going to run a holiday club there. Where the, we're going to probably have hundreds of kids. We're going to need at least 40 people to volunteer for this for the whole week. Where we're going to break them up into age groups. We're going to have vibrant music and, and worship and a lesson and food to feed them for lunch. Because most of them wouldn't have eaten that day. And we're going to minister to them and see salvations. And the parents will come in the evening once and we'll minister to them. And it's going to be amazing. You know, it's, it's really going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. I want to encourage you to pray about that. We'll share more time and uh, more, more with you next week about that. But, but try and come and be part of that. It's going to be awesome. It's really going to be good. Um, and then the other one is Zimbabwe at the end of July. At the end of July, we're going to go to Zim and we're just busy working out the dates for that. And that's, all, that's going to be going into Bush. If you're ever in the Cape Town area, we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gatherings. You can find out more about Grace Life Rondebosch by email info at gracelife.co or check us out on our Facebook page, Grace Life Rondebosch.